Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. On with the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was May 28, 1912. Ruby Violet Payne Scott was born in Grafton, New South Wales, Australia, to Amy and Cyril Herman Payne Scott. Ruby would go on to become Australia's first female radio astronomer. In the early 1920s, Ruby's family moved to Sydney. She attended Sydney Girls High School, where she graduated at age 16. After getting scholarships to attend the University of Sydney, she enrolled there and began studying physics, chemistry, math, and botany. In 1933, Ruby got her Bachelor of Science degree from the university with first-class honors in physics and math. Three years later, she received a Master of Science degree in physics, and a couple of years after that, she got a Diploma of Education. Australia was hit hard by the Great Depression in the 1930s but Ruby still managed to find work as a physicist with the Cancer Research Committee at the University of Sydney, where she worked from 1936 to 1938. There, she researched radiation, which had been identified as a treatment for cancer near the beginning of the 20th century. But when the research project shut down and she was unable to find work, she began teaching at Woodlands Church of England Girls Grammar School in Adelaide. But in 1939, she returned to physics research. She began working as a librarian with Amalgamated Wireless Australasia in Sydney, an electronics manufacturer and two-way radio communication systems operator, becoming the only woman on the company's professional staff. But at this time, World War II was gearing up. In 1941, she was appointed research scientist in the Division of Radiophysics of the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, or CSIR, to do research on radar, a new defensive weapon. She also worked in solar astronomy and did research on radar calibration and the use of interferometry to locate hostile plane positions. She became an expert at recognizing Japanese aircraft from other sources of radio static. Through her work on small signal visibility of radar displays and the measurement of receiver noise factors, Ruby linked up with Australian scientist Joseph L. Pawsey. They carried out what could be considered the first radio astronomy experiment in the Southern Hemisphere in 1944. To break down these fields of study, radio astronomy is the study of celestial objects that give off radio waves. Radio physics is a branch of physics concerned with the properties and application of radiation. Ruby focused on solar noise and its correlation with sunspot activity. Her work was integral in the discovery of type 1, 2, and 3 solar bursts. Other notable work includes her research with Pawsey and Lindsay McCready, where they introduced the use of Fourier synthesis into radio astronomy. Ruby also helped create a device called the Swept Lobe Interferometer, which allowed radio astronomers to identify and observe single-wave formations. Despite Payne Scott's pioneering work, radio astronomy in Australia at the time was subject to isolation, and Australian journals were not widely read. In 1949, C. 
CSIR became the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, or CSIRO. Ruby soon ran into some conflict that would lead to her resignation. She secretly married William Hall, a telephone mechanic, in 1944. The two were feminists, environmental conservationists, atheists, and left-leaning. In fact, her colleagues called her Red Ruby because of her supposed communist sympathies. But public service rules required women to resign when they got married. When CSIRO management found out about the marriage in 1950, she was pulled from her permanent position and became a temporary employee. She left the organization and radio astronomy the next year when she was pregnant. She wrote the following to the CEO of CSIRO. I am, of course, sorry to give up the research work I have been doing and also to leave the laboratory where I have been so happy and have so many friends. If all goes well, I do not expect to be returning to radio physics at least for some years. When she left, she had one of the highest salaries of the scientific staff who were on the administration. By 1953, she had her second child and she stayed home to raise the two of them. From 1963 to 1974, Payne Scott taught math and science at Dane Bank Church of England School for Girls. She died of pre-senile dementia in 1981. Her son became a statistician and her daughter an artist. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And here is an additional note about Ruby Payne Scott. She has been called the first female radio astronomer anywhere, though some people would argue that that title belongs to Elizabeth Alexander. Get more notes from history on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back tomorrow for more delicious morsels of history. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast where we bring you a little slice of history every day. I hope you all are still faring well. I am faring well. I am still in my closet. Everything is going great, and I am so happy to still be bringing you all episodes. With that said, on with the show. The day was May 28, 1831. Abolitionist and religious leader Eliza Ann Gardner was born in New York. Gardner is remembered for founding the Missionary Society of the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Gardner's family likely became involved in the AME Zion Church when they lived in New York. But when Eliza was young, the family moved to Boston, where Eliza was raised in anti-slavery circles. In Boston, her father became a ship contractor. The family lived in the mainly Black West End neighborhood, and their home was a stop on the Underground Railroad, a network of routes and locations that enslaved people used to escape to free states in Canada. Because of this, she was acquainted with anti-slavery figures like Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, and William Lloyd Garrison. Once she left school, she supported herself through dressmaking and joined church and abolitionist circles. 
Gartner became a Sunday school teacher, and she became the Sunday school superintendent for Boston. She organized the first Zion Missionary Society in New England at her church. The society, which later became known as the Ladies' Home and Foreign Missionary Society, raised money to send missionaries to Africa. As Black Methodists debated women's role in the church in missionary fundraising, Gardner weighed in on the question. She said the following at the 1884 AME Zion General Conference. I come from old Massachusetts, where we have declared that all, not only men, but women too, are created free and equal, with certain inalienable rights which men are bound to respect. She went on to say that women would continue to support the church if its male leaders supported and respected them. She said, quote, If you commence to talk about the superiority of men, if you persist in telling us that after the fall of man we were put under your feet and that we are intended to be subject to your will, we cannot help you in New England one bit. In addition to her activism in the church, she was also in secular clubs. She was a founding member of the Women's Era Club of Boston, the first Black women's club in the city. She was associated with temperance organizations. And in 1895, she served as chaplain at the first national conference of the Colored Women of America, a conference organized by publisher and civil rights leader Josephine St. Pierre Ruffin. The National Federation of Afro-American Women, which was organized during the conference, merged with other groups to become the National Association of Colored Women in 1896. In 1908, Gartner was featured as an honored guest at the organization's biennial convention. In 1909, Gartner founded the Butler Club of the Boston AME Zion Church. She remained president of the organization for more than a decade, and she continued to fundraise for the church's missionary society. Gartner died in Boston in 1922. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any kind words to send us about any of the episodes or any episodes you'd like to see in the future, you can hit us up via email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also send us a note on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Thanks again for listening to the show and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.